Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show presents the Weekend Recap. We're talking UFC Vegas 60, a bloody affair if I've ever seen one, including the slicing and dicing in the main event between Corey Sandhagen and Song Yadong, and you can never, ever kill a cyborg as RoboCop comes from the depths of defeat and snatches victory. Also, we are talking another UFC veteran, former title challenger, signs with the PFL. All of this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 238. It's Monday. Brand new week. The same two guys giving you that good good to start your week off right. I'm Noah Baker. I'm one half of your hosting duo. Demand of my right. Coming from a remote location. Yes. yes. He's off the grid. Some Very say. much. <laughs> Dominic Salee. How are you doing, my friend? I love the shirt. I love the natural lighting. It really... Yeah, brings you out, man. It really just—I mean, Dominic's looking kind of hot. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I'm—I'm kind of glowing on this Monday morning. I think I'm just gonna <laughs> keep coming to Columbus to record every episode <laughs> if I keep looking like this. Uh, but I'm doing well. I'm here in Columbus for the weekend visiting my wonderful girlfriend Jaden. Shout out to her, big avid listener of the show, of mm-hmm. course. But we're hanging out all weekend. We got some golf in yesterday. We've got Post Malone concert tonight. It's going to be a great, well, it's going to be a great finish to the weekend visit. But none of that stops me from getting in here in the studio with this lovely son of a bitch right here, Noah Baker. How are you doing? How's your weekend been as we get into a new week? I appreciate the commitment to the game, Dominic. And I have had a pretty decent overall weekend. You know, it is a grind when you are betting on all the football games basically uh yesterday it was i mean i had two tvs going had the laptop going had the phone going with games or fights and um didn't go great at the tail end of the night so we're 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 a little shaken up here as we're recording sunday morning but nfl slate ahead Mm -hmm. so based on how that goes i guess you guys will know when you're watching this how my mood is for the start of the week but overall I got my health, I got my friends, I got my family. And most importantly, Dominic, Bowling Green State Falcons beat. They put the thundering hurt on the Marshall thundering herd. And that means Bowling Green is better Mm -hmm. than Notre Dame. And the people are asking, Dom, how would Bowling Green hold up against Ohio State? I'm just saying. Talon's up. Exactly. Now, before we get into all the action from Saturday, I want to remind everyone, Dominic, about our good friends over at PointsBet Sportsbook. Yes, yes. PointsBet is the official betting partner of the Below Average Joe's MMA show, and they have an exclusive offer for you. That's right, you. Yes. Listening, watching. Right now, if you sign up with PointsBet Sportsbook as a new user On your initial deposit, PointsBet is going to match 100% up to $2,000. Come on. 
Do I got to say that again? $2,000, 100% match. That's free money. You double your money right away. Now, you might be asking yourself, how do I get this, Noah? Well, I'm going to tell you. There's two ways. Uh-huh. Number one, in the description, not going to fuck it up this time, yes. of today's episode, there's a link. You go to that link, you sign up, put in your deposit, bada bada bing, bada bada boom, it's in there. Yes. Second, if you want to go download the PointsBet Sportsbook app, you can. You can see around. Kind of used the comparison last time about the furniture store. I'm going to use it again. I, I'm a big guy, right? I need I need some I need some durable furniture. Yeah. You know, I'm renting furniture right now. I've already fucking look at the bed frame behind me. It broke. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Broken. So, you know, if I had just went to PointsBet Sportsbook, felt around, see how I like the odds, see how I like everything on there, then I would know beforehand this is the place for me. So you can do that. You can sign up on the app, but you got to make sure to put in code MMA Joes. Yeah, one more time. That's MMA Joes at sign up, put in your deposit, bada bada bing, bada bada boom, it's there. There you go. So, shout out to PointsBet Sportsbook. And with that, Dominic, we're going to get into the main event of UFC Vegas 60. The Bantamweight Grand Prix continues. Yes, it Unofficial does. Grand Prix. Corey Sanhagen ultimately gets the TKO via referee stoppage, doctor stoppage. Uh, round four, five minutes in. Before round five, essentially a nasty, nasty cut on the eyebrow. Song Yudong ends the fight. It was a bloody fight. It was a pretty grueling fight. But one, Corey Sanhagen ultimately comes out on top. Now, the result may be expected. You know, Corey Sanhagen, pretty decent favorite for this fight. Me and you seem to be leaning his direction. But what did we learn from this fight, Dom, from both combatants? Yeah, so for Corey, he basically fought how we would expect a guy of his caliber to fight. He's just, it's his fight IQ. He's so intelligent. Um, he pinpointed that cut on song and went after it the entire rest of the fight from when it happened. But man, credit to Song Yadong. He looks so much better than what I expected him to do in this fight against someone as high level as Corey. This was by far and above the biggest jump that Song has had. And at only 24 years old, I was a bit worried. How's he going to look? His first time under the big lights, headlining a you know, a show against someone that's been there, done that, fought for an interim title, so on and so forth. And he held his all, man. I even scored round one for him. Noah told me that two judges had it tied going into the fifth, which is super fascinating. So, I mean, that tells you right there that Song was fighting a good fight. Um, He was definitely landing the more, well, see, I was going to say the more impactful shots, but I can't necessarily say that because of the elbows that cut open Song. But he was Mm -hmm. landing big, powerful shots that did have an impact on Corey. It made Corey a little bit more weary on how he was going to engage on the feet and whatnot. Um, So, yeah, I mean, a very smart fight from Song. His takedown defense was perfect. I think 7-7 on takedown defense. Ooh, I just choked there. Takedown defense. Um, So it was as many takeaways as there are for Corey. There's more for me from Song because we had never seen him in that situation before. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we learned more about Song Yudong than Corey Sanhagen. It's not a knock on Corey Sanhagen, but we know he's that damn good, and he yeah. showed he is still that damn good. And, and 
he's always proven to be a durable fighter. He's a lethal fighter on the feet. All that proved true here. But for yes. Song Yudong, I questioned how his composure might look, not due to anything I had seen from him, but just due to his youth. He's only 24 years old. He's the same age as me. And yeah. You, yeah, we're both. And me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Think for a second. Where are we at? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's the same age as us, Dominic, and he just, this is only his second ever five-round fight in his entire MMA career, his first in the big show to UFC. And he's going up against a former title challenger, a guy who people have said is a future champion. It's quite a leap from, yeah. you know, fighting a a diminished version of Marlon Moraes or someone like that, um, or even like a Kyler Phillips or anybody. Like, a, this is quite a leap. Up, even though those are good guys, those are good tests, you know, to for your first five round fight to be against a really proven top guy in this division. And like you just pointed out, tied going into the fifth round basically on two of the three judges' scorecards. I, I tended to think Corey was ultimately winning the fight based off what mm -hmm. I just the eye test. I wasn't really scoring it like I normally do, but just too much going on, a lot of football going on. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. you know. It had my focus, had my attention. It just um, felt like ultimately winning the fight. But Song early is definitely getting the better of those exchanges. Um, I, I don't really have any negative takeaways for him here. Like, I really think that this was a learning experience for sure. Um, I, I think that he proved that he is of the top caliber in this division, even if he couldn't get his hand raised. And for Corey, this was kind of a get-right fight. He got right. And now he can look ahead and look towards another guy in this top echelon of Bantamweights to perhaps put his name back into the title picture. And, I mean, I guess that could be a way to transition unless you have anything else to say about the fight itself. No, I say we do transition because one of those possible outcomes was sitting there watching Cage side last night. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's the fight, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's got to be the fight. It's Corey Sanhagen versus Marlon Vera. That's, yeah. that's the fight to make. That is such a just fantastic main event level fight for like one of these fight night shows. Um, please, you know, let's not do it in the apex, right? Can we do it like, you know, with a crowd and stuff? Like, that would be great. And um, I just think I, I wouldn't mind if Marlon Barra even got a title fight outright at this point. I thought the, he's been the biggest winner in this unofficial Bantamweight tournament just with the, the, the nasty knockout he had on Dominic Cruz, yeah. a guy who had never really been finished like that. And I understand though that Marlon Barrett probably needs one more. Corey Sandhagen, I think with one more, would have earned his right back into the title picture. So it seems like a match made in heaven to me. Yeah, it really is the perfect fight. Let's not make it too hard. Like Noah said, at UFC, it's right there in front of you. Let's take this opportunity. Uh, it's super high-level stuff, too. I mean, I feel like every fight that Corey's in is high-level MMA, but then you look at how Cheeto's looked lately, and you can say the same for him. That's such a interesting matchup, and that's that's the thing with Bantamweight right now, and that is why we think it's the best division in the UFC. Every matchup that you can make amongst these top 10, even top 15, really, are all so fascinating, Noah, and they all have these storylines that are main event worthy. So, Yes, Marlon Vera, Corey Sanhagen, five rounds, please and thank you. Yeah, do you have any thoughts on maybe what could be next for Song Yudong? I really don't. 
I mean, it's it's a tough place, right? Because he's ranked tenth. He's kind of that last guy looking yeah. in. And I think this performance is worthy of pushing him again into that top ten territory. Let him fight someone in the top ten. But not always how it works. He lost tight. Maybe he has to go backwards and fight someone kind of looking to push in from 11 through 15. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't necessarily come into today with any matchups, but he does deserve to still obviously fight ranked competition. Even if it's still another top 10, you're not going to hear me complain. I mean, at the end of the day, look what the guy fought through with a gash bigger than the size of Alaska all above his eye. I mean, he and he didn't let it you know, bother him at all, essentially. So I think he des- deserves top 10 again. If not, someone 11 through 15, dare I say a Ricky Simone? I mean, I don't know. No, I'm just here for the good times, That's the good vibes. Fight. That's a great fight. But, uh, yeah, the future's bright for Song. Again, 24 years old, and to do that with Corey, it's impressive. I almost prefer him taking that step back. I know for some people they'd be like, no, like he proved it. Let him fight someone, another guy, another shark in this tank. Yeah. But he's so young. Oh, and yeah. still developing. I don't want to fall into not not that he would necessarily be in the same uh, vein, but there was a time where like Edmund Shabazian was in this kind of position, right? And yeah, yeah. And you know, you just kept giving him those really tough matchups at the top level, and then he loses like three or four, and all of a sudden he's not even ranked anymore. It's just I don't want Song Yudong with him being so young and having so much time ahead to be just immediately put into these really tough fights that he's ultimately going to be favored to lose in most of these matchups. I think a fight with Ricky Simone would be great. Ricky's deserving of that kind of top 10 caliber. That's a tough fight for him, but also one where um, a lot of people might underestimate Ricky too, because, you know, we saw how he looked against Jack Shore and he's really coming into his own right now. So I think that would be a great matchup for sure. Absolutely. So we got more on this card to come, but we got to talk about a couple of tidbits. Here we go. And I alluded to it in the intro. The PFL has once again signed another UFC veteran, another former title challenger. Um, they are making moves right now. It started, of course, with Shane Burgos, who, Dominic, me and you had glowing reviews for that transaction. We thought that yep. was a great move for the PFL, obviously. We thought for Shane Burgos, it was the right move. And then they signed Tiago Santos, who has had a bit of a, he's kind of struggled in the later part, basically the post John Jones fight, you know, Mm -hmm. coming back from that really severe knee injury. He's not been the same fighter, but then you look at him against Jamal Hill and he shows he's still got some life left. I thought that, I think we both were pretty positive on that one for both sides. Yep. Now, the PFL has signed former Bantamweight title challenger Marlon Rice, who had announced his retirement, of course, uh, after his last loss to Song Yudong. Um, he is going to be competing in their featherweight division, it looks like, which is the same division, of course, Shane Burgos has been brought in. So, Dominic, we were very positive on those previous two. I want to get your quick thoughts. Not quick. I, we, we can. I want to talk about this, but like, what are your your thoughts when this news hits your ear like is this a positive move for both sides is one side maybe getting more out of this than the other or is this just a bad move all around yeah i'm not big on this one they they really Mm -hmm. hit two for two now they're two for three 
Um, yeah, they sign another big name. That's great. He'll add some more eyes to their company. I understand that standpoint. But let's make it very clear. Marlon Marais is a Bantamweight, and he's not a big Bantamweight. But you're telling me he's going to come back after losing four straight fights via KOTKO, after retiring from the sport thinking he was hanging him up, and then go to the PFL and fight at 145 pounds with the likes of potentially someone like Shane Burgos? Not the move. Not the move. Marl, I, I don't like when people come out of retirement so quickly. I mean, he was he barely had time to let it simmer. You know what I mean? Like he just he wanted right back in, and I I don't know if that's the right move, especially with the losses that he's been you know counting up here, adding to his resume. Uh, I, I don't know how this is going to turn out. This could potentially, and maybe I'll, maybe this will backfire and shock the world. You never know. But this could be down the path of how. You know, something like Anthony Pettis has gone, something like how, I mean, Fabricio is not a good comparison, but just this is one of those where it could be one of those signings that, you know, seem all nice for the company, but they don't pay off in the long run. This is one of those that I think could happen. Yeah, I I, I wish I could be more positive on it. I'm going to start from Marlon Marais' standpoint. Don't like it. Don't like yeah. it much. Now, yeah. if he's going to continue fighting, if that's the direction he wants to take, I would rather him go here than, let's say, take another fight in the UFC. Like, I just I think Fair. that yeah. chapter's kind of done, written in stone. Um, I will say this transaction feels like it has Ali Abdelaziz's fingers all over it, his fingerprints just all on it. He is, of course, uh, the manager of Marlon <clears throat> Rice. Ali, before kind of becoming literally the overlord of MMA managing, he was one of the top guys when it was the World Series of Fighting. He was like uh, the matchmaker or whatever when it was the World Series of Fighting. So he still has that relationship with the PFL. This feels like a move that maybe Marlon was pretty potentially, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Maybe Marlon, of course, probably wanting to continue fighting, feeling like it was time to hang him up. Maybe Ali's like, hey, you could go win a million dollars, like whispering in his ear. And all of a sudden, Marlon Rice is now back in a division that really he's not fit for, fighting for a prize that seems like a bit of a long shot right now. So I, from Marlon Rice's perspective, I just, I don't love it. I thought the retirement was the right move. Again, who am I to tell someone when it's time to retire before straight finish losses? He just seemed to be not that guy anymore, not the guy who was nearly winning the Bantamweight title against Henry Cejudo before ultimately being finished in that fight. Um, from the PFL's perspective, it's an interesting one because I almost want to just say, oh, well, it's positive, right? You know, you you signed another UFC former title challenger, veteran, you know, a name that could bring some value. Even if he loses, you know, that could, that could rub off on the guys he's losing to. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of said that when it came to Anthony Pettis and Rory McDonald. Like, I thought ultimately 10 out of 10 times you do those moves, even knowing how they turned out in the PFL. But, and I, I want to tread lightly on this one because I don't know if we're to that point yet, but Dominic, I think the PFL could be straying a little too close to the sun that formerly, do you remember when we kind of, when I first really started getting into MMA and you know at first it was all about the UFC right and all I would ever hear about Bellator 
was that they were where all the washed up UFC fighters went. Yeah. You know, guys like yeah. Rampage Jackson, Chael Sonnen, Tito Ortiz, these guys who, Vanderlei Silva, guys who really had nothing left but were still wanting to continue fighting big names. Like Bellator really gained a reputation of being like the retirement home almost of, of the UFC. And I, I'm a little concerned that if the PFL continue, I mean, Shane Burgos is like a different yeah. different category. Right. But, you know, if Tiago Santos doesn't work out, if Marlon mm-hmm. Rice doesn't work out, you know, you already had Anthony Pettis, who seems to be kind of fumbling his way through. Rory McDonald, of course, Bellator and UFC veteran. Yeah. Didn't really work out. He's retired now. So I, I've worried that the PFL could be straight a little too close to that to that UFC retirement home little image son, uh, theoretically. And and I don't want that to happen because I think the PFL is really strong on its own. I don't yeah. think they necessarily need to make moves like this. Like this one feels a little bit like they didn't need to do this, but they're just kind of like wanting to add more talent and he's a guy with the name. Um, again, the Burgos one, notwithstanding. Tiago Santos, we'll kind of see, but I think that that was a good one. Just mm-hmm. because I think even if he's losing a lot, he's not getting finished a lot. He's very competitive in a lot of these fights. Yeah. Marlon Marais not been the same story. Yeah, he did almost beat Marab. I mean, he had that fight one, and then Marab comes back and finishes him in round two. Like, Marlon Marais is probably the best one-round fighter in the entire, in all of MMA. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the first round, now, I don't know if that dude's ever lost the first round, unless, of course, he's been finished in it. Because... He is. He looks great out the gates. Yes. Comes out on fire, but then he just can't keep it up. Doesn't have that that stamina to really go the full fifteen or full twenty five minutes. So, um, I'm just very lukewarm on this from a PFL perspective, and I'm even less warm on it from Marlon Marais's perspective. Yeah, I I agree with everything you said there. The second tidbit we got, and I, I just, I we don't talk about the rankings when they move because it's, you know, it, there's a lot of little movements that happen here and there that are kind of weird and sometimes don't make a ton of sense. You know, you got Conor McGregor ranked like number twelve at lightweight, and he hasn't won a lightweight fight in however long. It's six years, years, but who's yeah. counting? Yeah, yeah, and I get it. You know, Conor big name, but ultimately at this point, like, does he even need a ranking? Like twelve, I think. Just it makes him feel like less than what he really is. I mean, he's the guy in the sport, right? So <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a lot of weird stuff with the rankings. I know the UFC are not the ones who make the rankings. They, they ultimately allow their panel of whoever uh, to vote on these rankings. But this is a slap in the face, if I've ever seen one. In the welterweight rankings... Daniel Rodriguez has replaced Lee Jingliang in those rankings. He's taken his number 14 spot. The leech is out of the rankings. I don't have necessarily an issue with D-Rod being put in. I like D-Rod. Right. He won the fight. But are we forgetting that the leech took that fight with D-Rod, who was 10 pounds heavier than him? Right. And lost a very close, very controversial decision. And again, we didn't have much beef with the decision. But again, like, I don't think there should have been any movement in those rankings. I mean, what a slap in the face to this guy who really stepped up and took that fight on such short notice. He was the one that really got the shaft. He was in a co-main spot with Tony Ferguson, a big name in the sport, who, 
you know, was jumping up a weight class, who hadn't really looked the same in his last few fights, been losing, not quite El Kikui anymore, and, and the, the guy that was winning 12 in a row at lightweight. He had a big opportunity there to really make a name for himself and really, you know, he was doing all the right things. He's buying the nice suit for the press conference and all this stuff. We already talked about all this. Yeah. Then all the madness happens. He's the one that gets booted down to your feature bout against D-Rod. Okay, still a great fight. But he has to take it with a guy 10 pounds heavier. Yep. He loses a very close fight. Most people think he won. He loses his spot in the rankings. I mean, I question. I may, I may not be able to blame the UFC for the actual move itself since it's kind of out of their hands. But I can fault them for whoever they are having vote on these rankings because this is, I mean, this is like a complete slap in the face for a guy who really stepped up and helped save your card just a week ago. Yeah, it's a shame. The biggest loser of all of UFC 279 fight week continues to be Lee Jingliang, and none of it to his own doing. It really is just sad um, what he's going through right now, and I hope he just gets a big opportunity in his next fight. Again, like, if anything, let him stay at 14 and put D-Rod in at 15, because, like, they do both deserve to be ranked. But to to remove Lee completely and replacing with D-Rod just makes no sense. The fight did not even happen at 170 pounds. I don't care what weight class they normally fight at. Um, I just It doesn't make any sense. It's a bad move on all the media members that I think make those rankings, vote on those rankings. Um, it's a shame. It, it's it's tough times for Li Jingliang right now when it really shouldn't be. It, it, that's what's sad. And I know like a lot of people in our space, they, they kind of just write off the rankings. They're like, oh, the, the rankings don't even matter, you know, blah, blah, blah. So maybe some people look at what we're talking about and are like, does it really matter? He dropped from like 14 to 16. I mean, he's like right there, right? But I don't think what people don't understand is a guy like Lee Jingliang, he's not a Conor McGregor. He's not a Nate Diaz. He's not a Jorge Masvidal. He's not one of these guys who transcends the entire system that's built here, the ranking system and yeah. number one contenders and whatnot. He depends on having that that number next to his name yeah, to show the, the value know. he brings. Exactly. Yeah. When you look at a card like last week, it had number 14 next to his name. Mm-hmm. People know, okay, this is one of the best guys in the world because exactly. he's not a guy that necessarily everybody in the casual fan base or, or even some – People may be higher than that. Maybe some people who watch on a regular basis, they may not be super familiar with the leech. Now, I, I think over time he will, again, I think he'll rebound from this and he will get that opportunity that hopefully gets him more eyes on him. And, you know, I think he might have gained a lot of respect from last week. But I just think that this is a complete slap in the face. And dare I say, again, maybe I'm looking too much into it. But this is could hold. This could make some guys in the future in similar positions be like, well, yeah, sure, maybe I get some extra money, but is it worth like potentially losing some of the credibility I have? Yep. Like that's really what that is. Like, yep, that might make some guys kind of pause on it. Like, well, I don't want to lose my spot. Like, I, I, I don't think that's fair. I'm fighting a catchweight fight. I'm ten pounds lighter than this guy and the decision was arguably his to win anyways yeah i just think that this is i i am so just been out of shape for for the leech here i i feel for him so much on this one 
Yeah, I, please, please give him a big opportunity in his next fight because the guy deserves nothing short of that. And I hate to even like harp on it because D Rod gets the spot, who I, I really like. Yeah. And he does feel like a top 15 fighter. Now, do you put him at 15 and Michelle Pajara drops out? It's like, uh, I mean, Michelle Pajara feels like a guy right there, too. But yeah. I just think that, like, look, D Rod's right there. He's been in the top 15 before. You know, I just don't agree with the logic for this one. Like, I felt like we went into our recap last week and said we're not going to have a ton of takeaways because, at least in the negative sense, exactly for anybody, because it was such a wild week. Like, how could you fault a guy like Kevin Holland? Like, what if Kevin Holland dropped like multiple spots yeah. for for getting one sided beat down by Hamza? It's like, well, he took the fight on like twenty four hours notice, like. Yeah. What do you expect? I mean, it's a tough matchup for him. You know, if Tony, I don't know if Tony did, but if he, like, drops multiple spots in the rankings, it's like, why? Like, exactly. why, would, why would he drop? It was at welterweight. He's ranked at lightweight, you know. But that's the same thing in my eyes, that if one yeah, of those moves Yeah, it should happen, be consistent across the board, yes. Yeah, but I digress. I guess we'll move on, as we always do, and uh, we'll get into a fight announcement here. David Van Auken, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. First reporting, Bryce Mitchell versus Movzar Evloev for November 5th, UFC fight night going on there. Uh, Dominic, this feels like a fight that could be made a main event. I don't think it's going to be, but this is the kind of matchup that I'm always going to advocate to get that five-round shine. Yep, it should 100% be a main event, absolutely. Uh, someone's O has got to go. It's another one of those type of matchups. It's two of the best grapplers in all of the UFC, not just the featherweight division. It checks every box that you could want. So I really do hope that the UFC makes this a main event. It's high-level stuff. And one of these guys is looking to crack in. They're looking to take that next step into the, you know, they're in that top 10. Now it's time to enter title contender status a win here puts them amongst those guys it puts them in that conversation it gets the ball rolling for the next step of their career come on guys come on ufc come on dana and the boys that's a main event yeah and i and i do understand that i think a lot of people were hoping bryce mitchell would kind of take that next leap yeah um i can't say i disagree but i think this is a very intriguing matchup that we have and um, I think it answers a lot of questions because both guys feel like they're right going to be right there at the top here soon. The loser might have a longer path to get there. And this is kind of a side point, but you mentioned someone's always got to go, and that is true, both guys undefeated. But I don't know if this is true or not, but I was – Chuck Mendenhall had mentioned before that when Bryce Mitchell fights, when the UFC shows his record, they always put the one loss yeah. that he got from – tough which are supposed to be like amateur bouts yeah exhibitions i don't know yeah so what's up with that (laughs) yeah what's up with that the hurricane like (laughs) get the get that one out of there like what are we doing it uh, doesn't make any sense how do you do that for i don't know it's just like a weird thing but yeah um both guys undefeated as far as i'm concerned sick and i think a lot a lot's going to be answered about that one i wish it was five rounds Will the fight deliver on the, you know, like, will it be a very exciting fight? That's not what I'm here to answer. I'm just saying that that feels like it should be in a main event. Yes, exactly. Let's get into the rest of UFC Vegas 60, if you don't mind, Dominic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
the co-main event. I mean, violence. Gregory Rodriguez gets the second round TKO over Chidi and Jokawani a minute 27 in. Gregory Rodriguez has got to be on. If, if you don't know, now you should. This guy should be on anybody's must-see list. Like, this guy is must-see TV. He is delivering just banger after banger. He comes, he seems to always pull victory from the jaws of defeat, if not just run through his opponents outright like he did with the Cuban Missile Crisis last time out. Um, you look at the fight with uh, Daun Jung, where he literally was like a zombie plodding forward, landing heavy shots and knocked him out when he looked like he was done. Here with Chidi, Chidi lands a nasty, just perfectly timed knee as Rodriguez went for the level change. Uh, really had him on skates for a minute, opened up just one of the nastiest cuts above the nose in between the eyebrows that I've ever seen. And then... Gregory, on borrowed time, mind you. I mean, they nearly stopped that fight due to the cut in between rounds one and two. The doctor tells, uh, was it? It was Herb. Was it Herb Dean? I think that was the Herb was main Herb event, Dean. but Mark Smith was this one. Thank you. Okay, Mark Smith was the referee for this one, and he tells him like, "Hey, keep a close eye on it. Like, yeah, yeah. if it gets any worse." You know, jump in. And you see Mark Smith just eyeing it the whole time. Yes, he's, yes. He's watching it like a hawk. And then Gregory goes in there and really puts on Chidi in round two. Um, what a performance. What a fight. Just a really fun fight to watch. I mean, amazing scrap between these two. I didn't expect anything less. Yeah. I do think for Chidi, this might raise a question on kind of how he holds up after round one. You know, he looked like an absolute stud. In the first round of this fight, his two previous fights, he looked like a stud when he got the first round finish. But this is a guy who there is some tape on him at a high level. I mean, this is a guy who's main evented Bellator cards before. Yep. And Dominic, kind of the reason I even put the bet on Gregory Rodriguez, Dominic had put the stat out there that I didn't know going in. Chidi has now got, what, eight losses, and all of them are via finish? Seven out of eight, so that, yeah. Seven out of eight be a finish. So I do think that's going to raise the question moving forward on how he holds up over minutes. You know, if he can't get that quick finish, can he really hold up and put together a complete performance? Yeah, yeah. Those are all great takeaways. And truthfully, like in terms of the fight, Noah kind of checked all the boxes. But I just, if you didn't see this fight, you need to go see it. And if you didn't see the cut, I don't know how your stomachs are, but... This cut was so bad in the like aftermath when they were trying to stitch him up. People's Twitter accounts were getting blocked, Noah. People's tweets were getting taken down. That's how disgusting the picture was. I'm not going to go into detail. If you find it, Godspeed. Go find it and take a look. But it was, I mean, the fact that he won this fight, especially when you look at that picture, is mind boggling. Yeah, it's on uh, Dana White's Instagram stories if anybody wants yeah. to go check it out. And the after photo, like, Looking like a looking like a brand new man coming yeah, out. Yeah, like of a million bucks. All stitched up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so great fight. Really recommend anybody check it out. Didn't expect anything less. These two delivered in the co-main spot. Uh, Beecho Piper. Mm, Happened again, Dominic. He gets the first round TKO over Alan Amadovsky. Three minutes, 55 seconds in. 
be Joe Piper. I mean, that's really the takeaway here. This is this guy was given that that shine in week one of this season of the Contender Series. He really delivered that night. He was the only guy to really deliver on that card. And like I said, he's kind of he. I mean, I and he is very like you saw. What he said afterwards, all the shine he gave to Dana for the money. Dana's gift side gave him a place to live. Um, which, you know, I think that's some stuff that probably happens more often. People realize, you know, for yeah. all the bad that a lot of people throw at Dana, I think you do see stuff like that more often that doesn't get talked about. So credit to him for that. But Dana gave him a shine that night. He said, be Joe Piper. When Joe Piper's performance was great that night, but it was on another one cards, uh, series cards that had more great knockouts or great performances or great fights it may have just kind of gone and went Mm -hmm. and instead he's been kind of the face of this season he comes in here just what a little less than two months later and he looked great he looked absolutely great here he looked better than he did on the contender series yeah Dovsky Owen FC now like not necessarily the best opponent but he did what he should have done to a guy who hadn't won in the UFC yet, and it continues to be Joe Piper. Yeah, I mean, that that's the tagline. It's going to be on merch. It's going to be on all the promos that he's in going forward. I mean, the UFC is taking that episode of Contender, and they're going to run with it with Joe Piper for as long as they can until those wheels fall off. And Joe Piper, he talks that talk. He walks that walk in the octagon, and his backstory is incredible. That's all the makings of a potential star should he keep winning these fights. So keep your eyes peeled on what this career could turn into for him. We had a very interesting fight in the featherweight division. Two guys that I felt like had not been getting enough. They they feel like they have a lot of positive momentum, but not enough people talking about them. And Damon Jackson and Pat Sabatini. We thought we might get some really interesting grappling exchange. Um, Instead, Jackson said, he's got hands too. Not just hands, but he's got feet. He's got mm-hmm. that, I mean, that kick. The first, what would you call it, the T-kick or whatever, to yeah. right to the face, just had Pat Civitini all out of sorts. Gets a quick first round, one minute, nine second TKO. Um, what were your takeaways here? Because both men, Sabatini, pretty decent size favorite. But Damon Jackson's been a really tough guy. He's really gone in there and got a lot of very good wins that have gone under the radar. Um, do you think this says a lot about maybe where he stands right now? I think it does. I think this was a battle of two of the most underrated fighters in this whole 145-pound division um, that not a lot of people were talking about, like Noah said, going into this fight night. Damon Jackson's won four in a row now, two via stoppage. He's always been fringe top 15, doing that to Pat Sabatini, who was 4-0 in the company. Give my man Damon Jackson top 15. And to top it off, the storyline for him going into this fight, absolutely gut-wrenching stuff. His brother passes away on Tuesday. His entire family there to watch him fight on Saturday. He said he didn't know any other way. The show goes on. He goes in there, uses his brother's nickname from when he would be announced at high school football games, Action Jackson. Chills up and down my body. And to do that, get a finish. Uh, he, he just made a statement in every sense of the word. It's quite the story. Give that man top 15 next because he deserves nothing other. Couldn't have said it any better myself. And finally, to round this out, Jillian Roberson, submission mm-hmm. over Maria Agapova. 
pretty fun fight all in all. You know, just it, it was exactly the kind of fight you would think you know, me trying to go for a level changes. Agapova trying to keep it at a distance, trying to land good strikes. Uh, Jillian gets the better of it, gets the submission in round two. A nasty submission. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nasty. I was very nervous that Maria was going to lose her tongue here. Because yes. her mouthpiece falls out. She's literally biting her tongue as she's being rear naked choked to sleep. Yeah. Very dangerous stuff. Very nasty. She doesn't, thankfully, lose her tongue. But to get the loss here, another big submission for Jillian. Yeah, I mean, Jillian's, what, got six now in the UFC? I think she just continues to extend her record for most women's submissions in the company's history. Still only 27 years old. I'm still waiting for her to round out her skill set more to see if she can actually take a next step in the division. But what she has now has shown clear that she can still get the job done more nights than not. So we'll see what comes in the future for her. And uh, for Maria Agapova, someone that had a lot of hype coming into her UFC career, has not quite lived up to it since. We'll see what happens for her in the future as well. She, won, at one point, had closed as a minus 1,600 favorite for one of her fights. That was, of course, the infamous Shayna Dobson fight where Shayna cashed yeah. as one of the biggest underdogs in UFC history. It's kind yes. of crazy to see where Agapova's career has gone since. It just... I remember when I heard about her being that big of a favorite, I didn't really get it, but I guess there was some hype behind her and she just doesn't seem to have really put it together. I guess maybe that's the right word, Dominic. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. We've not seen anything other to make us think differently. So I'm sure she'll get another opportunity or two. Uh, but you, obviously if she keeps losing, you only get so many chances. And this was not that she even looked terrible in this fight, but you knew that's what Jillian was going to come in and do. There's a clear striking differential here for Maria. Didn't capitalize on it. And then, you know, that submission was just one of the scariest ones of the year that you've seen. You don't see many things that are, like, scary. There's a lot of nasty, brutal, bloody stuff that happens. But this one genuinely was, like, scary. Kind of like the, uh, it was like Davison submitting uh, Benavides. That g- gave me those type of vibes, the way that it kind of went down. Yeah. It, was, it was weird. Yeah. She, I couldn't believe how long she, like, I don't know if yeah. she was out the whole time, but she almost looked like she was still with it, but wasn't even fighting the hands. I was like, just go out. I'm like, please, just go out because yes. you're obviously not going to tap, and you're literally about to bite your tongue off. I'm like, please, like, this is this could get bad. And, yeah, you're right. Very scary. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Weird. Well, just that was the whole card. Just what a, <laughs> what a tough card. To, <laughs> yeah. Imagine showing, like, <laughs> a, a brand new person this card yeah. as their first time i mean they may have to they may have to seek out some professional help after that i don't know <laughs> no kidding let's get into the below average bet slip dominic and i want to remind everyone you can see these picks in advance we post them on our below average joe's twitter at the bajma the baj mma you Usually posted on Friday and Saturday before the fights. Um, and then, of course, we recap them here. So, Dominic, another positive week for the bet slip. We're finally kind of on a groove here. That's three weeks in a row. We are at that, we're kind of above that line, that, that zero. You know, we had a tough run there at the tail end of the summer. Feels like the fall, some stuff's coming together. Yeah. Anything that stuck out to you from the bet slip this week? 
Um, I mean, guys, this one was big for Noah. He kept us in the positive this week. I don't necessarily regret any plays here. Um, I mean, Giles Kosey was a bit of a snoozer going in, though. They had combined for like four total decisions ever, but that fight was just bad. So that's a shame. And honestly, though, I do have a regret. I have to talk about my regrets because I don't usually have them too often. So when I do, I got to give some transparency here with the, uh, the audience. I went out on a limb. I bought in on the hype, the Contender Series hype, the uh, shiny undefeated record, the big minus 300 money line. Daniel Zell Huber also went out and laid an egg in his fight against Trey Ogden. He looked good when he let it go, but Noah, he just never did quite let it go. And the fact that I parlayed him with a given, it felt like, with Joe Pfeiffer by finish makes it hurt even more so. But we live, we learn. We get a week off next week also for UFC betting. But other than that, it's positive for the bet slip. That's all that matters. That's all that matters, Dominic. There have been, if you have kept track like I have, of our individual uh, year-to-date standings, there have been plenty of weeks where Dominic has carried the bet slip. So um, I am simply returning the favor. And right. I guess for me, like, nothing that I really regret here. I mean, the Bill Algia money line, I said if uh, Andre Feely was the underdog, I probably would have put it on him. I felt like it was just such an even fight. And it was a split decision. It was a very even fight, really. I mean, I think Feely was the right call if I'm taking my betting bias out of this. But, you know, I've never seen someone have such a dominant position like Feely had in round three. Literally had had the choke in yet feel like he was getting his ass kicked yeah. so much as, as Feely was with Algio's ability to just keep landing shots to him while in while having his back. It was really weird, but it was a hard fight to score. I don't I don't um I don't uh envy the judge's position there. So I, I think ultimately the right guy won, but unfortunately it was to the detriment of the bet slip. And then the Sanhagen Yadong to go to distance that was originally a two-leg parlay that I had along with Aspen Ladd and yeah. um, who was she fighting? Sarah um, McMahon. Sarah McMahon. I had that fight to go to distance as well. Um, I still think this was the right call. San Hagen Yudong, go to distance. Ultimately gets um, kiboshed due to the doctor stoppage, referee stoppage, whatever, due to the cut. It was the right call to stop it, I would say. It was a really nasty cut. It was swollen up pretty bad. But I felt like that fight would have went five rounds if they let it continue. Um, seemed like that was what was going to happen. So I feel like it was the right call. Just you can't really account for a cut to stop a fight. You know, it just it happens. But exactly. um, I guess we will take that time now, Dominic, to kind of address Aspen Lad. I, I we could have done this in the rest, but I figured you know talk about the bet slip. She was one of my bets here, so. Aspen Ladd, unfortunately, misses weight again. Yeah. Uh, weighed in at 138 pounds. This fight was, of course, at Bantamweight, so 136 being the max. That is, I believe, three weight misses for her. And I'm pretty sure every time the fight has not actually happened. Yeah. So we talked about Aspen Ladd in the preview and kind of what your position was on her. I know you were very sort of one foot out the door, if not maybe even the second foot almost completely out as well at this point. 
Um, if you're to UFC, what do you do with Aspen Ladd since she just seems to have zero ability at this point to make women's bantamweight? Yeah, I don't know if the future looks very bright for her, man. I mean, on one hand, the UFC's got to learn from their mistakes of booking her at 135. However, they don't really have a 145-pound division to book her at as an alternative. So I, I don't really know here. And then for Aspen, like, are you are you can you not take advantage of like going to a bell tour going to a pfl that do have a featherweight or for the pfl have a lightweight like an actual filled out division because obviously the ufc doesn't but she's not trying to like go to other avenues is it because she doesn't feel confident enough that she can do well at 145 so she's almost wanting to be a quote unquote weight bully at 135 like i don't quite know everything going on but like at one point, Aspen was winning all of her fights, finishing all of her fights at 135, not having as much controversy. But the last, what, two-ish years, basically, it's been nothing but rocky roads for her, man. So I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm not going to be surprised if we just straight up never see her fight again inside the UFC cage. I almost feel for I Like, I do feel for her in a way. And I, I know, like, some of our buddies, they're expecting, like, a, like a rant here. And... I, I don't know if I can quite do that because I feel for her position. Because what's the alternative? Okay, you tell her to move up. What What is there at women's featherweight? Right. There's nothing. I mean, yeah. there's literally nothing. I mean, that's essentially like a career ender of, uh, in of itself if you can't compete in any other division but women's featherweight. So the only alternative is for her to go elsewhere if she can. I mean, she's under contract, yeah, so she true. has to be let go. And so the, really the two choices are to continue. If the UFC do not release her because of this, she continues fighting for the UFC at a division that's really not a division. And then once she's out of that contract or if they do end up releasing her, you go to the PFL or Bellator and compete at either 145 or 155. That's it. That's yeah. the alternatives. There's... It's not a great situation to be in. It's it's not. And I do feel for her. But she's not made this easy on herself, Dom, because she kind of keeps talking. She keeps putting her foot in her mouth with some of the comments she makes in the lead-up. Like, yeah, you want to say the right things. Like she said coming into this week, she I, – I don't know what exactly – the exact things that she said. But she had made some changes the best she ever felt. Not going to have an issue making Bantamweight anymore, blah, blah, blah. But then also she's like kind of talked some shit about people who get a nutritionist. Yeah, I saw like, that. If you have to have a nutritionist to make the weight, you shouldn't be fighting at that weight and blah, blah, blah. And it's like it's kind of hard to feel sorry for her at times when she kind of continues to talk like that. Because it's like, well, three times now. And not only that, but the fight still hasn't happened. Yeah. Any of those three times. So these opponents of hers are missing out on paydays themselves. They are yeah. not getting a chance to fight to move ahead in her career. So it's not just a detriment to her career that she can't make weight. She's ult she's ultimately affecting everybody she's being put up against. So I'm sorry, Aspen Lad. You had a great run, but it's done at Bantamweight. There's there you cannot give her another opportunity here because I get it. Some people have, I know like Charles Oliveira missed weight a lot back in his featherweight days and they still gave him more fights, but at least, and I hate to even say an at least 
when someone's missing weight. Most of these people who have had these histories of missing weight, um, uh, the guy that's the, I'm so bad with names, and these are names that I should just, should just roll off the tongue. John Lineker, you know, he's, I think he's, him and Oliveira, I think, have the tie for the most weight misses in their UFC career. Yeah. But at least for for what I believe the majority of those, they still competed. Right. Gave up a percentage of their purse to their opponent and whatnot. So, yes, it's still an unfair advantage. It's still like you need to make weight, blah, blah, blah. But she's not even fighting and she's like, yeah. she's missing weight and just being taken off the card. Like, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think it's, this is it. Like there's, this is a big crossroads for her career. Yeah. The UFC yeah. decide to keep her around. You cannot do Bantamweight anymore. It just can't, but it's kind of a career killer to just say you have to stick at women's featherweight. So hopefully she can, if, if I want to even throw a positive spin, I don't know how many fights she has left. I don't know if the UFC are going to keep her. If she gets a couple wins at women's featherweight, maybe they do decide to give her a title fight. I don't know. It's, it's, it's the, but things feel very dark right now for any fans of Aspen lad. Yeah. To say the least. So that's it for the bet slip, Dom. But there's only one way that we end the show around here. And that is with closing statements. Yes. The official part of the show where me and Dominic can talk about anything and everything MMA related or not. So Dominic, do you have any closing statements for this Monday edition? It's nothing crazy. It's no big food debates, no big food questions. I already said it at the beginning of the show, but tonight, of course, you're seeing or listening to this at the earliest of Monday. But Sunday night, I'm going. Oh, I'm here in Columbus seeing Post Malone. And, you know, they say music gets you through tough times. People have cling on to certain artists, stick with them. That's been me with him for many years now at this point. So it just feels like a big day for me. It's going to be very emotional for me in that arena. If I shed a tear, I'm not going to be surprised. But I'm just super excited, Noah, to just be there, live in the moment with a special someone by my side as well. And there's something like about all, and even at events like at the UFC, when people all come together for like one common theme at a big event like that or a concert or whatever, it just feels really cool. So I'm super stoked tonight. It's going to be a big night for me. And uh, that's all. Just something real light. Nothing crazy, mm. but had to mention it one more time yeah you you popped off the with the pineapple on pizza it was a yeah. very heated one yeah. again so um dominic's nailing it with these food debates but he's very selective <laughs> on when he throws them out there which smart yeah. man smart man i um, try do i have anything for closing statements you know i've i've, I've kind of just let dominic carry it the last couple times i feel like i've been not holding up my end of the bargain here i've been there before um, yeah it's uh it's kind of tough um i'm gonna I'll, I'll do a little food thing here not a big one not a big heated one it's simply Something a like... question just a question yeah what are your go-to condiments mm. Mm. it could get heated mm. but you know some people like hate a certain condiment and some right. people like only put this on everything i find myself to be someone that just kind of loves all of it i love mayonnaise love ranch ketchup mustard barbecue sauce like any of that i'll eat any of it 
Yeah. I'm, and I think, like, some people really hate, like, the white stuff, right? The yeah, right, right. The ranch. Mayonnaise especially is kind of the, the one that, that's a personal favorite of mine. I put mayonnaise on burgers. Mm-hmm. Like, I put it on everything. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would kind of go, like, you're disgusting for doing that. But that's me, Dominic. Do you have any, like, is there a go-to condiment for you that you put on, like, everything? The the go-to has to be ketchup. It, it just feels like it's the most versatile, dare I say. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely one of the most versatile. And the funny thing about it is I've always loved ketchup, but I've never, ever liked tomatoes. And I know it's completely different. It's essentially <laughs> I, a tomato being processed, ran yeah. through the ringer. I get it, sugar and all that shit. But I've never liked tomatoes, but I will put ketchup on anything. And really anything tomato-based, like a pizza sauce, a spaghetti sauce. I love it all. But tomatoes, you're putting one on my sandwich. I'm picking that shit off, putting it on the side. So that's always been you're the taking thing with off me. the tomatoes and then yes. you're putting more ketchup on the on the sandwich. Exactly, but yeah, if I had to pick one to like use for the rest of my life and not use any other, it would probably be ketchup. Yeah, I've gotten to the point like used to. I was always like ketchup with fries, right? Oh, yeah. But now when I go out to eat and I get wings, I dip my fries in ranch. Also, ranch is like your top tier. Ranch and mayonnaise are like I yeah. could put if find something like it, to me I could put that on anything. Yeah, like what what's Frank's Red Hall saying? Put that shit on anything. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it is. Like but. I like I can do salad with ranch on it. Not my go to for that, but I do like I can do it. Yeah, like I said, I'll put mayonnaise on pretty much any sandwich I make. So if it's ham, turkey, chicken, whatever. Yeah. I bought wraps, so when I do chicken wraps, put some ranch on that. Like, ranch and mayonnaise, if I didn't have that, I'd probably suffer. Right, right. Makes sense. I do, and that, that did bring up uh, one for next closing statement that I have, too. Another, we will have a follow-up to this condiment A part discussion. two, a sequel. Yeah, a part, a part two, for sure. I love it. So, uh, I'm Noah Baker, that's Dominic Salee. We are but just two of the Below Average Joes, and we will see you guys on Thursday.